All right, this morning's scripture comes from the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, verse 7. Here we go. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. She, I am very dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? He, if you do not know, O oh, most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. Others, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. She, while the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyard of Engedi. He, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. She, behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delighted. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. He, as a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. She, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, so today we, we are starting a brand new series uh, through Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. Um, just briefly want to say a few things about that. Um, what the Song of Songs, what it really means is that um, it's, really, it's the song of all songs. It is the best of the best. Um, it is the greatest song there ever is or ever was, that was Tenacious D, so don't, don't, don't just get that out of your head, uh, but it's, it's the best song, you know, this is, this is it, this is the one. Um, it's the best song King uh, Solomon has ever written. He wrote a lot of songs too, I think uh, the Bible says that he wrote a thousand and five songs, so that's a lot of songs, uh, but this was the very best. Um, it's, it's the best ever, like, like Taylor Swift's uh, it's, a, it's a Love Story, anyone know that one? 
You know, Romeo, take me somewhere I can be alone. Um, where, how's that go? I've been waiting. All we have to do is run. You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess. It's a love story. Baby, just say yes. There it is. <laughs> My son knows it. Um, it was the very best, but for the ancient world, right? This is the greatest song there ever was. Um, it probably wasn't written by Solomon. So this is what makes this so interesting, is that um, the, the person telling this, uh, these, these poems and, and, and this story, this love story, um, is using the name of Solomon very strategically, very thoughtfully and carefully. Because you have to remember, who was Solomon? You know, this great king in Israel's history. Um, and and, and, and this, this storyteller does this to kind of set up Solomon, to have us compare the ideal of love with Solomon. So we have in front of us this vision of, of a perfect marriage relationship. It's an, an uh, idealized relationship between a man and a woman, uh, showing what love at its, at its absolute height and, and its breadth and its depth, what love should look like. A beautiful tapestry of, of this love story, true beauty. So before we dive into this, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears, our minds, our passions, our desires, everything that we are, all that you've made us to be, uh, that you would allow us to understand your word today. Um, help us, Father, to move past the awkwardness of even this book itself um, and to embrace the, the earthiness of, of, of beauty, of, of what it means to be human, of of, of this great gift of a book that you've given your whole church. So I pray that you would help us to understand this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, what is that doing in here? Right? I mean, maybe that was like a thought that, that, that came across your mind right as soon as you heard some of the scripture reading. We're not even at chapter 3 yet. Okay? This is the beginning. Things are getting more interesting as each word is is. As, as, as said, how did this make the cut in God's holy book called the Bible? Ever wondered that? Uh, you wouldn't be the first to ever think that. A bunch of Jewish rabbis debated whether or not to include this book in the Hebrew Bible. And then uh, in church history, too, there was some debate over uh, what is really this book about. And a lot of people have tried to tame it um, and, and really tone it down. Uh, by just kind of allegorizing everything, as, you know, just running with the agricultural imagery. And it's just agriculture, right? Right? It's just that. Can't be what it might be. Um, and so people will obscure, obscure it. Uh, but maybe you've wondered why God would put a book like this uh, that describes an, a very intimate relationship between one man and one woman from first sight all the way to their wedding day and that he would even include bits and pieces of the honeymoon too. And you're going, whoa. You wondered why he would do that. TMI, God, right? TMI. Don't go there. So we can point the finger at God. God, why would you put that book in this Bible? Preacher, man, preacher, why are you preaching on this book, right? Why did you pick this one out of all, there's you know, 65 other books we could have gone through right now. Why this one? Um, it's such a provocative book. 
So you can point the finger at me. And as you're doing that, um, some of you have actually requested and asked me to preach this book. So that finger that's pointed at me and that's pointed at God, turn it back around, point it at each other, and point it back at yourself. Say, I did this to me. I wanted to read this book and understand this book. So, um, so we all wanted this. But more importantly, we, all of us need this book, right? All of us need this true love story in our lives. And, and, and that's exactly who it's for. Um, just like every book in the Bible, including the Song of Psalms, what, song, song of Solomon, my goodness, Song of Songs, not the Song of Psalms, to be confused with the Book of Psalms. <sighs> song of Songs. Um, <laughs> so so, so it, it, it's, it's given to us, it's written for us, it's a message that we need to hear. And I will not be one to silence the word of God out of the fear of men. Not going to do that. So we are, we, are, we are going after this book. Challenge accepted to those of you, some of you aren't even here, who asked me to, to preach to this book. Someone's on vacation right now who asked me to preach this book. I'm not naming names. <laughs> oh, thanks, bud. Um, so, so this book is for the entire, the whole body of Christ, for both children and adults, for male and female. It's for everybody. And so our, I think our, our kids deserve the best, too. Um, not parenting books or, or tips, but, but coming from the, the lips of the creator, the um, breather of life. <laughs> um, thank you, God. The maker of our bodies. Uh, back in 2012, in Psychology Today, uh, reported that, that, that children were exposed to sexually explicit images as early as the age of eight years old. That was in 2012. Now we're in 2018. And um, iPhones and Androids and all that stuff, I mean, kids are having access at a much younger, earlier age. So the research isn't out yet, but I'll bet that number is, is getting younger. Locally, teachers are telling me that uh, problems that I remember facing in high school are now happening in middle school. Some serious stuff, too. Nothing small. And so we need our, our kids to be told a better story about their bodies, about how God made them to be, and, and, and what to do with our desires, right? We have all of these desires, we have these passions, we have inclinations. And they're probably going to hear from somebody else a lot sooner rather than later. And the question's not really if they're going to hear about this conversation, but when and where and how. So do we want to own our responsibility to raise our kids, our children, our teens in the fear and admonition of the Lord and to teach them about love and sex and marriage and be the first ones to do that? Or do, do we want to neglect this role and just let Hollywood be the first to teach them? So our, our friendships need this. Our relationships do. Our marriages certainly need this. Our children and our teens need this. So thankfully, God has given us this book in the Bible so we'd be able to sing a song that absolutely, it's, it celebrates, that holds up this beautiful picture of, 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 of what love and sex and marriage is supposed to be. So it's for all of us, married or not, who are all longing to be satisfied with what God has already given us now, 
in his timing, and also who long for something that only God can give us that satisfies forever. So I want us to open up uh, Song of Solomon. If you, if you have your Bibles, uh, please follow along. I'll, we'll have the scriptures behind me as well if you didn't bring a Bible. Um, so let's look at this first opening scene. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's so clear that, um, that there's this longing to both be loved and to love that's deep inside all of us, right? We long for love. And if you want to experience love, if today uh, you're wondering how do I find it or how do I know if I found it, are there things that you need? First, you need to get somebody's attention. That's the first thing I want to talk about this morning. Second, you need that person that you grab their attention, they need to find you attractive. And then the third thing is that both need for there to be affirmation in that relationship, for love to be possible, for us to experience the fullness of love, the beauty of love. And so our first thing, uh, to be loved, you need attention. Let's look at, at uh, verse 2 of, of chapter 1. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. The song starts out with the voice of a woman. Is that surprising to anybody? She's calling for the attention of the man. That's definitely not the way my grandpa would have done it, right? He wouldn't have told me to let the, let the woman lead in that. One scholar notes that in the entire book, 53% are female voices, 53%, compared to only 34% of male voices. The girl's voice is singing about love loud and clear. She wants to be loved. And so so we're thrown into uh, this passionate tale, the story of love at first sight. The girl wants to be kissed, not in a cold way, but passionately, not shallowly on the surface, but deeply. There's no reference to just a kiss on the, on the cheek. There's a lot more assumed here. She wants full, unreserved affection. She wants the, the man for herself. And each of us has this kind of desire in us, right? It's a desire to find love and to be loved, to love. Now, I want to say this, this desire can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. Uh, there's this longing to, to both love and to love that we have. And, and it's a great desire. It's a good desire. Uh, in the Bible, the first time that something is described as not good, right, not good, is when man is described as alone. So, so it's, it's, it's so good when sky is made and trees are made and the oceans and all the animals and everything is made, right? And then man's made, and that's the very first time, what? It's not, it's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. So God makes for Adam a woman named Eve, Genesis 2.18. Ah, now it's good. Amen. Companionship, community, relationship, fellowship. Man is not made for an island. Wilson! Some of you know what I'm talking about. Wilson! Anyone remember Castaway with Tom Hanks? Yeah, a couple of hands. All right. Um, it was about a FedEx employee, 
And uh, he, he actually crash, uh, sort of crash lands, I guess, ends up on an island all alone, stranded. And he, he forges, he pers- personizes, right, a volleyball <laughs> named Wilson, right? Wilson, volleyball name, company. So, so, so paints it, I think, too, kind of decorates it to, to humanize it for some kind of friendship because he's so alone on this island, right? Wilson! This desperate cry for a community. This desperate cry to be loved. To not just talk to yourself. To not talk in a vacuum. Um, one scholar named Ellen Davis, not related to me, um, argued that the song is a reversal of Eden, and so remember part of the curse in Genesis chapter 2 uh, was, uh, as God's word says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Um, that was part of Eve's punishment. And here in the song, the girl or the woman is not some submissive or quiet housewife. She is bold, she is eager, she is zealous. She's seeking her man's attention and affection. It, it casts us back into the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were, having the good life. They didn't have marital strife. They had no big burdens. Everything was good. Nothing was broken. And so in this way, our, our, our two main characters here, um, some postulate and speculate that they were teenagers. Others say that they're adults. Um, we don't know their ages, and that's actually purposeful because they represent everybody. They're the ideal couple, male and female here. This is the way every romance should be. It's the way a husband should love his wife, a girl should fall in love with a boy, and it holds up for us this beautiful picture of what that looks like with the longings and the affections and the tensions of relationship. If you're in a a relationship right now, um, isn't it fun to kind of just go back and walk down memory lane and just go back to like the beginning of where that relationship started? Is that fun? No? Um, some of the best parts uh, happen in, in those times. One, one of my, my favorite things to do is actually to ask if, if there's a couple that I meet. Uh, it's always fun to ask, you know, tell me how you first met. And what happens with that, you know, their eyes kind of go bright, and as they're, as they're walking down that first time, whether it was he or she who started it, you know, first one buying the ice cream cone, or I don't know, whatever your story is. I mean, mine's very different. I took my wife to In-N-Out. Yeah, which in some cases, it could be a great thing if that's, but we were, I'm from California, so it's not that. Anyways, not going there. Um, but it's still fun uh, to talk about. Um, but you watch, you watch faces light up over the tale of how it started. And, and if you're not in a relationship, um, isn't it exciting to think about love? I mean, sure, so there's some, some, some are thinking about it a lot and, and going, man, I can't wait for that day. I'm looking so forward to it. Um, maybe, maybe you watch The Royal Wedding. And you're going, man, maybe one day I'm going to find my Prince Harry, right? Like Meghan Markle did. Um, and and, and you, ha- you have, you know, the wedding plans made. Yeah, right? Wedding plans are made. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. There's this longing. And so this girl, she's caught up in love. She wants the attention of her man. Verse 4, she says, draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers, she says. And look, uh, notice even this desire, this, this, this deep want and longing to be united to our man, to be joined as one, has, has also grabbed the attention now of others. So you notice there's, there's he and then there's she, right, in the, in the subtext, in the English translation, trying to help us figure out who's talking. Now we see others now. 
And they say, the watching community around this couple, they say this, we will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. This can be super hard for us Americans to hear. Very hard. Um, Because love is not just a private affair. It's not just up to the individual. It's not just my problem or my, uh, my thing going on. Not all love should be accepted. Not all love is going to be liked. And it might be popular to say, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I do what I want. Oh, but it does. It does matter. Not to please man, but to please God. So if we're seeking a relationship that brings harm to ourselves or to other people, then it's not right for the community to celebrate it. And this is a caution, I think, for, for any of us who are young and, and in love or who are looking to be remarried. Um, if our friends or, or, or parents or other people in our lives ask questions, that we need to be prepared and we need to actually invite those questions and ask and answer, right? I think that's important because it's possible that we're seeking attention from someone who isn't rightly ours yet. And that affects all of us, married or not. So in this song, the girl is wondering, will this man notice me? Will he see me? What if he doesn't hear me? What if he doesn't care? All of that could happen. We know it happens a lot. Um, people hope for a start and nothing happens. But there's also the dangerous side to this, that, that we're seeking attention from someone who doesn't belong to us. And so I just want to, as this, this song urges all of us, right? be careful, friends. Be careful. Do not w- awaken love before it's time. And so that brings us to the next thing that we need to experience love. The first thing we needed was attention, right? We need the attention of someone. What else, what else do we need? We need to have attraction. And so let's look at the second thing. If at the start of this, it, it, it was the girl who chased after the guy, she tries to grab at his attention because it's, it's at the beginning of any relationship and somebody has to start it. Um, but if it was her, how would this man respond now? What would be the result? What would happen? Would he respond to her or would it just fall flat? Was what she said received as just a cheesy pickup line? Are you sure you're not tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day. It's a good one, right? Here's a, here's a good one. This is like one for PKs right here. Are you religious? Are you? Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. Don't use those. <laughs> I may have used one on Gina. No, just kidding. I didn't, I don't think. Um, a lot of us have been there before, though, right? You've put yourself out there, you've been hoping, and it's that awkward tension of waiting for a reply, maybe a text message. I don't know how, how the kids do it these days. Um, but but the, the, the fear kicks in for this girl in verses 5 through 7, where she starts to wonder, am I beautiful? Am I worth it? Am I good enough? What if he notices me, but he doesn't like who he notices? He's just not into me. What if he doesn't like me? And so she says in verse 5, she says this, 
I am very dark, but lovely. And, and what we're beginning to see here is some fear. She fears that her beauty won't compare to the standards of beauty that this other guy is used to. She goes on to explain her deep fear in verse 6. She says this, Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. This isn't a reference to our race. It's actually to our working conditions. Um, have you ever been stared at before? Doesn't feel good, right? You get stared at, right? Sometimes it feels awkward. Verse 7, she explains why. Uh, why, why she's darker than other women, verse 7. My brothers were angry at me, so I had to work outside in the vineyard. And so this girl had to work long hours outside. She, she couldn't put on the makeup. She couldn't get ready for beauty pageant like all the other girls were doing. And um, her skin was sunbeaten from hard labor. Maybe he won't find me desirable. Maybe I'm not his type. I don't have any daughters. Um, we've gotten all sons, right? We've tried three times. We have all boys. Um, I was hoping, I was, I was going, man, one out of these three, I'm going to have the daughter, and we're going to do daddy-daughter do, date nights. Um, I even thought, like, man, Chick-fil-A's got it good on, like, Tuesday nights. You know, they do the daddy-daughter thing. It's all dressed up, and it's pretty cheap for you to do that together. Um, that sounds fun. I had this whole thing mapped out, like, what we're going to do. Maybe it's every Tuesday. You know, all these great plans. But I just have boys. Um, but in Christ, now I have daughters, and so I want to speak to all, all the daughters in Christ that, that we have here, right? I want to say this to you, that God finds you very beautiful. He made you, and so whenever that insecurity and that fear of being known but never loved, whenever that seeps in and that creeps in, remember who made you. And remember that God never makes mistakes. Remember that God makes no mistakes and you're beautiful. So I think that, that what's so exciting about this opening chapter, chapter one here, as this girl is doubting who she, who she is, who God has made her to be, we see that this, this man does step in, verse eight. He says this, If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats besides the sheep, the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Verse 10. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. So, I mean, look at that. This guy doesn't ignore the insecurities there that she has. Instead, he speaks right into them. He tells her to her worry and her self-doubt, you know, right where she believes that she is least beautiful. He says, that's where I find you most attractive, most beautiful. Her fears are real, they're heard, but they're not true. So he tells her how he sees her. And that's, that's the, what the start of a, of a healthy or even um, the ongoing relationship, what a healthy relationship between a man and a woman, what it looks like. There's mutual attraction between the two and appreciation for the details of the other person. Notice how, how, how he, he's so thoughtful, he's so articulate, he's so careful with the details, Right? He compares her cheeks to ornaments, her neck to expensive jewelry. And so he's clearly paying attention to her, complimenting and affirming back and forth. 
If this morning, if this is your first time to a, a church service or it's your first time back in a while, first of all, I want to say welcome. Welcome, welcome back or welcome for the first time. Um, and, and, and you know that, that relationships are meant to look a certain way. Um, they're, they're meant to look this way. And often our, in our experience, right, relationships don't look this way. Right? Arguing on the car to church this morning or whatever. That's the reality, though, that, that, that Christianity says that we live in a broken world, and that problem of brokenness is with us. It's a sin problem. That we're not beautiful, we've actually turned against God, we've turned against one another, and we keep breaking things. <laughs> we keep breaking each other, right? And that makes us dark and, and undesirable, not wanted. Except right there, right in our ugly, that's exactly where God has stepped in, in his Christ story, to say where we're most dark and we're unwanted. That's where God actually pronounces his good news that you are beautiful and you are wanted. I did this for you. Come and have a relationship with me. Come and be loved by me. And so that's the second thing, attention. Finally, to be loved, you also need to have this third thing. You need to have affirmation. Affirmation. So if you want to love someone and be loved by someone, you need to affirm each other. And what we see unfold before us is attention and attraction and now affirmation between the two. The man and the woman, they're, they're equals in this experience of love, of beauty. Both praise the, the other repeatedly. He says, she's beautiful. She says, he's beautiful. Aw, right? You're beautiful. No, you're beautiful. No, I'm beautiful. No. They both just say it to each other. You're beautiful, right? There's no self-love there. Uh, he praises her for her eyes. She responds, acknowledges for the first time his physical appearance. He says in verse 16 that he's truly delightful. Ooh, you're truly delightful. Um, the woman is deeply into the man. The man reciprocates and is deeply into the woman. It's a shared experience. It's mutual love. She even jumps in to think about their future together. Verse 16, she says, our couch is green. Whoa, she's getting ahead of herself. <laughs> right? Whew, slow it down, girl. Slow it down. She talks about uh, the house being made of cedar and pine, verse 17. Right? It's there. You can you find it. Um, and and she, she really is. She's, she's you know, full speed ahead going. Um, love is playful like that. She's imagining her, her future life together with this man, moving on from just him to now a life with him, thinking about the house and the kids and everything. You know? um, what's it going to be like? What's life going to be like together? And, and I think right here is a great moment. It's a great time for us to, to pause and reflect a little bit. And remember, it's a great reminder uh, for, for those of us who are married. Uh, if you are married this morning, whenever the flame is dying out, if you want to keep that flame going, go back to affirm affirmations about each other, right? Go back to the time when you first met. Go down memory lane, however long ago that was, or however short it was. Go back. What was it that I first loved about my spouse? Was it her hair? Was it his eyes? Was it that smile? And, and pick back up. Affirm each other. What was it that made this person so special to you? They go on uh, and they say at the beginning of chapter 2, she is a lily in the field and he is an apple tree in the whole forest. So, so what is it about this person that makes this love so exclusive and so special to you? Walk down that. But look with me at chapter 2 now. 
Song of Solomon 2, verses 4 through 7. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Do not make love woke. Here's the thing, love is strong, love is powerful, love is potent. And so that makes it dangerous too. The enjoyment of, of uh, intimacy like this kind that we're, that we're reading about, that we just heard, is only for the context of marriage. So if we stir up our emotions and our passions before they're ready, before it's time, the danger is that we or others are going to get burned. And I know, it's the 21st century, baby. It's the 21st century, right? It's just a biological function, people say. The Corinthians thought that too, and Paul said to them the same thing, that it's not just a biological function. Paul called them on it. Sex is something that's beautiful, it's good, it's not bad, it's not dirty, but it's meant for a lifelong Sustained relationship. It's not meant for another time, so do not make love woke. It's a warning we have here. Now, one of the ironies of this song is it's named after, I mentioned this earlier, it's, mentioned, it's, it's named after King Solomon, right? Um, this is a man who was bad at love, okay? He was good at love making, but he was bad at love. He had many wives. You can read 1 Kings chapter 11 if you want to read about that. But what all of that did to him was lead him further away from God and further into a kind of narcissistic self-love. And he fell away from true love. And right about now, I, I, I can imagine that you might be feeling like a total failure. Maybe some of you are like, check, check, check. I got that attention. I got that affirmation. You know, I got that affection, got all those three, done, you know, life's good. Um, that might be you. That might be, you know, you might be on, on cloud nine, but I bet that most of us are not always living on cloud nine, okay? I'll bet that as we look where we are right now, by whatever measurement, whatever standard we make it, uh, if we make it attention, if we make it attraction, we make it affirmation, sometimes it's like, well, I have some of this, but I don't have enough of this. I have a lot of this right now, oh, but I don't have enough of this, right? By all those measurements, sometimes it's never enough. And so this right here, what, I, what I've been saying this whole time, it all sounds so picture perfect. This relationship and this romance looks so pretty. It's like looking at Instagram or Facebook, right? What I see is what others want me to see. The white teeth smiles, right? Happy day, perfect story. All that stuff, right? Good times. And so maybe you feel like that's how you feel the sermon is going. That's how you feel like this Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs is. And you see, the song confronts me. Um, I remember my, my marriage vows to my wife. Um, I said something along the lines of, I will not be the kind of husband you deserve. I knew to set the bar real low, right? 
just kidding. Um, I knew enough about total depravity then to know that um, I was going to mess up at the perfect marriage thing. And so, the, but this, this song, it confronts me, it confronts us, it smacks us in the face with the perfect ideal romance and the perfect marriage, and it convicts me, it convicts us, right? It shows where we've gone wrong. I need to do more of this. I need to be this for him or her. I can fix this. If I just, what was that tip that the pastor just said? Oh, if I just do enough of that, if I'm just attractive or this or get the attention, uh, write it down. Trying to fix it. And that's exactly where we need to just stop. And we need to see our failure as we're confronted with this reality that we do not love as we should. And we're not loved as much as we deserve to be loved. And so right there, all of us need to throw away the script and to get caught up in the greatest love story that ever was told. We need to be shown not a better me, not a better way, but a better lover, a better savior, a better friend, that we're all failed saviors, that we are failed heroes, that we're failed lovers, that we're failed friends, that we're failed people. And the song points us to the perfect, flawless, faithful lover, lover of harlots and friend of sinners. God in Jesus Christ has loved you and given, given himself for your failures, for your worries, for your brokenness, for your imperfections. He lived a, a perfect life for you. He died a perfect death in your place. And so, yes, all of us have this deep longing inside of us to be loved. We want to be loved. We want attention. We, want, we seek attraction. We hope for affirmation. But in every relationship, even in the best relationships, we're never fully, finally satisfied. Maybe you haven't found a marriage relationship yet, and you long to have it, but you don't have it yet. Maybe you're in a marriage right now, and it's turned out not, not to be all that you hoped it would be. There's some shortcomings. The best marriage, the closest friendship, the nearest family member can't meet our ultimate needs, can't satisfy our hopes, make possible all of our dreams. But God and Jesus is enough. Jesus can satisfy your deepest longings for love, your deepest wants for attention and affection and attraction in a very real way. His perfect love for you and for me is strong enough to overcome even death itself. His perfect love is strong enough to cast out fear and self-doubt, all the worry, and so if you believe in Jesus today, you already have his attention. Not because you had to signal for it first, hey, look at me, Jesus. But he chose you before the foundations of the world and said, you are loved. We love because he first loved us. You have his affection, not because you proved yourself, but because 
God created you, and in Jesus, he has redeemed you. And because of that, you have infinite worth and value. And you already have his affirmation. He fully knows you, uh, as Tim Keller once helpfully put it. And yet he fully loves you, right? You're fully known. Ooh, I don't want you to know about that, that I do this or that, right? And yet you're still loved in that. But I want to go further than that because God does in, in the scriptures, and he says this, in Christ, God doesn't just know you and love you, but he actually likes you. He likes all the details about you. So this morning, rest in that love, rejoice in that love. Let's pray. Father, I, th- I thank you this morning for um, this beautiful set of poems. Um, sometimes they're hard to understand um, as, as we keep going through this, this whole book. Um, we see that sometimes love is, whoa, it's overwhelming. Um, and yet we thank you for your love in Jesus. We thank you that you've also given us bodies uh, that, that are truly ours, body and soul. You've made us and you've redeemed us in body and soul. And that we exist in this world to both glorify you and enjoy you forever. Father, our hearts are are restless until they find rest in you. So I pray for any of my brothers and sisters. I pray for anyone here who's longing to be loved, that they would find love, that I would find love each day in the arms of the Savior in the arms of the Redeemer, in the arms of Jesus, friend of sinners. Father, we thank you that you have poured out your love for us and your Son. You've gifted us this beautiful love.